This guinea pig is resigning. Don't be stupid, Lex. Think of the power if it works. We can roll the world. You want it. You drink it. Lex, no! No! Welcome to episode 48 of Conversations on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining me on the podcast panel today is Maggie. Hi. Carlin. What up? And Liz. Hello. With episode notes done by Matt and myself. So episode 48, the screenplay was done by Mike Kenny. It was directed by Lawrence Wilson. And the episode synopsis were read out by Maggie. Ebony seems to have won, having taken not only the antidote, but also Lex and Bray. But Amber's not giving a Bray up so easily, and she embarks on a search for the Locos hideout. Meanwhile, Jack attempts to access the facility's files with the help of KC, who fears that his time with the Mallrats is limited. Okay, so at the hotel, Lex's condition continues to worsen, despite taking the antidote. With the local leader herself rattled, it's e easy enough for Lex to scare off his guard and escape captivity, eventually calling her in the pool where he destroys the remaining antidote. Um, panel, a couple of questions, but first of all, what did you make of the interplay between Lex and Ebony throughout this whole episode? <laughs> Is it just me, or did it remind anyone else of, like, James Bond and one of his infamous villains? <laughs> like, this very, like, intelligent conversation between these two power players um, who kind of think they're more important than they are. <laughs> like the vibe. I did. Nah, so see true, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's very dramatic, the both of yeah. them, and that works because they're both being a little over the top with this. Um, because, you know, I mean, if you step away from it, it's a little silly, but, you know, if you let yourself get into it, it's like, yeah, this is a very serious, dramatic stuff that they're doing. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think it works. I did too. And I wasn't surprised at all by Lex's, you know, or what he decided to do. Like, him destroying the antidote, that's very in character for him. Um I don't believe that had he not been the guinea pig, he wouldn't have destroyed it. But he was the guinea pig, so he was making a point. You know. However, not very smart. <laughs> no, it wasn't, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think either he or Ebony are going about this in the smartest way. Um, yeah. uh, because, like, Ebony, she's using up what could be their only chance. And she's giving it all to one person. Like, how much of this mm -hmm. is she going to give to him? Like, is she planning on saving anything? Like, she's giving him literally a vial a day. Right. Or she gets to, like, instead of, like, giving it a few days and seeing if there's any improvement. And it's like, okay, what if it does work? And you fed him the entire case. Now what? Yeah. Like, I don't know what her long-term game plan is um, in that sense. It's not like she has an unlimited supply. She... You know what I mean? There's only so many. Yeah, they don't even know what it is, like what it's made of or what it is or how to make more. Right, exactly. She's not having a vial tested or analyzed in any way, you know, even for pH balance. You know what I mean? Like she's mm -hmm. just doing nothing with it. She's just making him drink it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, I, I, get, I get her motivation. I get it. I just don't think she's being very smart about this. Same with Lax. I understand his motivation, but he's pouring out the only thing that could possibly help them. Mm-hmm. 
but just stop taking it. That's fine. But why get rid of it? I know you just want to get back at Ebony, um, but this they were both being very foolish in this, I think. Yeah. I think that, you know, is, is very in character for both of them to not really see past their own noses. Yeah. You know? Um, but at the same time, I do kind of feel like it's a little out of character for Ebony not to question more and not to actually look into what it is. Because she's a very smart woman. Mm. You know? She's not dumb. But definitely made a very dumb decision in in how this played out and how she chose to do this. Yeah. But I do like the interplay of seeing how afraid Ebony is. Oh, for sure. Um, I, I think that's I think that was all really well done at just how terrifying it would be to see him getting worse every day, not wanting to mm -hmm. touch him, and the brave face Ebony's putting on for her goons, but she's shaking in her boots. <laughs> like I really like mm -hmm. that. Yep. I love it when we get to see those little bits of Ebony, like the, 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 her the humanity. Yeah. yeah, the humanity peek through. Mm -hmm. I think any moment with Lex and Ebony is, is a highlight. Yeah, well, maybe that just speaks on just the acting. I think Caleb and um, uh, uh, actress plays Ebony. Errol. I think they're. I think they're the one of the best actors uh, on the entire series. And whenever they're just in a scene together, it just uh, the chemistry, the tension between them. <laughs> it's just off the charts. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, what did you make of? Um... Lex destroying the antidote. Man, I understood why he why he did it. I mean, the cards were uh, kind of on his table to to do something with it. But um, I think Ebony should have been smarter enough to knew that Lex would have done that. <laughs> that yeah, that too. She definitely should have known better. It's a smart way to illustrate the limits to any character's intelligence. Like we know Ebony's mm -hmm. intelligent, but we also know that she has blind spots. Yeah, and they'll continue to you know ghost her for the rest of the series where she mm -hmm. can be so smart and yet she can't see when she's in her own way and when she's miscalculated or underestimated a person and the same thing with Lex like he can be very smart and strategic about things but he also has trouble seeing ahead and seeing the consequences of the things he does so I do like this because it's like they're formidable against each other and it's there's nice tension between them great chemistry but they're also both so short-sighted and that's how this ends. You know, just everybody's screwed because of these two's interplay. And um, mm -hmm. I, I do like that because it's true to their characters, you know? Yes. And it's like, oh, great. Thanks, guys. You know, Ebony <laughs> thought, I'm going to just take him and turn him into my guinea pig. And didn't really think after, okay, well, what if it works? What do I do after? Will I have any antidote left? And how am I going to get it to anybody? Or blah, blah, blah. She didn't think about any through. And I mean, she's swimming in a pool, but she's got her antidote right there, not like locked in a safe. Any one yeah. of her own goons could have stolen it if they wanted to. Like, I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. That's why I said she definitely should have known better. Come on. You know? Yeah. She's just got it in a recognizable lunchbox that anyone mm -hmm. can just grab while she's doing the back float. Like, what are you doing, Ebony? <laughs> um, that thing should be handcuffed to your wrist. Like, come on. Basically. <laughs> She doesn't have the smartest people on her staff. She doesn't have smart people on her staff for a reason, you know? Exactly, and, and if she's scared of Lex, how does she think that her, her minions are going to react, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I do I do like this, you know, it's a very realistic portrayal of the limits of their intelligence. Yeah. And it does still show, you know, they're teenagers. Mm -hmm. They're still young, you know? Think you're smarter than you actually are. <laughs> uh-huh. 
the look on her face when he pours it out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She sure tried, you know. And like, I I liked her telling him, you know, we could we could control everything. Imagine the power, you know. That's very ebony. And then for Lex to be like, Nah, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you power. I have the power now, you know. It's also that constant reminder that when you do people wrong, they don't forget you did them mm-hmm. wrong, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, these two, it's just a back and forth of past grievances over and over again. You know, like she didn't forget how he treated her in the mall when she was prisoner. He didn't forget how the locos had treated him when he wanted to join them. So they're just constantly getting back at each other for crap they've done to each other in the past. Yeah, it shows how petty they both are, you know. Uh, but I enjoy that about them both. Right. I think that's what makes them who they are. Yeah. And then, of course, when they might need the other person to cooperate with them, it's a lot harder because yeah. neither of them can ever forget. Last time we tried to work together, you screwed mm-hmm. me over. And then last time we worked together, I screwed you over. And just just a circle for these two. And that's, and that's, you know, them not thinking about consequences. They never think about the consequences of their actions. Yeah. And then when those consequences face them, they're in their face. They're like, oh, I don't know what happened. What did I do? <laughs> Why are you being so unreasonable? Right, why are you being mean to me? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I do like how Ebony um, usually learns from her mistakes, though, because um, I have she she prayed to feed Lex the antidote later on. <laughs> she does, you know, she does somewhat learn from, you know, things, but sometimes, like in this instance, you know, with the having the antidote just sitting there, she definitely didn't think about how she's a survivor, but are people that are with her also to that same caliber? No. You know? They'll turn on her. I mean, they did. Ebony does learn from her mistakes, but I would say her lessons are always sometimes the least important part of the lesson she should have learned. Yeah. You know, like, she, she learns, she'll have an interaction with people and it'll go badly, and she'll learn just enough about that interaction, like with Bray. She never quite really learns Bray, you know? She never quite gets him, even though she's so sure she knows him. She knows things about him, but she doesn't get it, you know? And so she makes the same mistakes with him over and over again. Like, she will learn, oh, this is how I can manipulate Bray to get what I want, because I know him. But she never learns that manipulating Bray and betray him is never going to work in her favor. Mm-hmm. She will never learn that lesson. So I feel like when she does learn lessons, the lesson she takes from it is the one that benefits her the most, but not in the long term. It'll never benefit her in the long term. And it's always like the least important part of the lesson she should have learned. <laughs> it's like, it'll give you an advantage in the short term. She learns that one, but she rarely ever learns a lesson to help herself in the long term. Yeah, she doesn't get the long term consequences of what right. she's doing. Yeah. We'll see more of that what, in the end of season. Yeah, beginning of season two. <laughs> what are you doing here? I want to help. You can leave now. You're the reason we're in this mess. You brought them here. Not the locos. They had nothing to do with me. I'm supposed to be grateful for that, am I? You are a pathetic little kid playing games in a grown-up world, Casey. Just get out of my face. Okay, we we need to talk about Amber. Do we though? <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Um, upset at Bray's disappearance, Amber reverts to her sulky, snap at everyone persona with Casey getting the full brunt of it. 
Blaming him for everything that has happened, she tells him the most helpful thing he can do for the tribe is to leave. Uh, yeah, panel. <laughs> we understand what Amber's going through, but yeah, what did you make of her? I was like, okay, here we go again. You know, like she loses her boy toys, so she's gonna take it out on everyone. Ah, mm. uh, maybe she should just be single. Love is. This is confirmed that love is her kryptonite. Yes. And yes. Uh, yeah, it's. Oh, That's my, what I mean by maybe she should be single. <laughs> like maybe she was onto something that she shouldn't even bother <laughs> falling in love. Yeah. Because, good lord. I mean, we saw her do it with Sasha, and we were mm-hmm. like, okay, she gave up happiness. And you, you think maybe it's just a one-time off, but once she Bray is not in the mall with her, she just, again, loses all productivity, ability to function and work with the group. Um, and, yeah, what is it with snapping at children when you're missing That's, your love, Amber? Uh, that, too. <laughs> like, I'm like, you just need to not talk to anybody below your age. Just... Stay in your room, Amber, until you, you know, like, uh, does she really genuinely believe that Bray's just gone forever? He's just gone. He's never, I'm never going to see him again. Just gone. No, lady, he's in the same city as you. Yeah, I can't, I was able to defend her behavior with um, Sasha. I really was. Mm-hmm. I can't really defend it this time. Can't, no. like, and Sasha Bray. was, yeah, one, Sasha was gone for good. The relationship was over. He was leaving. She was giving him up. Okay. That's devastating. Bray has just been taken by Ebony. Bray, who's like two feet taller than Ebony, who's Uh gotten away from the Locos before, who Uh clearly can take care of himself on the street. Slow your roll, Amber. You are being really dramatic about this. Calm down. (laughs) Does she not think that, oh, he could get away. Like he could easily get away. Like, and, and, and. She doesn't know the history between, you know, Bray and Ebony or whatever, but obviously she let him go before, you know, and Bray can talk to Ebony. He can talk his way out of things with Ebony. Yeah, she doesn't give him the benefit of the doubt at all that he might be able to handle the situation. Yeah, at all. Like, she, like, loses all faith in him in that moment, and it's very disturbing to me because she should definitely know him better than that. He always comes back. As for screaming at Casey... I would defend it because, you know, she has reasons to be upset with Casey, except I can't. Because remember, when Casey, when it was came out that he's the one who caused the whole water trial, see how easily she forgot all about that and didn't care what Casey had done. And now she's going to be pissed off at him. And it's like, you're just mad about Bray. You know, um, I don't think she would have snapped at him if Bray hadn't been taken by the Locos. No. So for me, it just feels a, a little too late to be mad at Casey. All right. It feels a little too petty, in my opinion, and a little yeah. too selfish on Amber's part. You know, because um, if they want, if she wanted to get rid of Casey, she would have gotten rid of Casey after the after the water thing. Exactly, right. and she literally did not care after the water trial right. that it was Casey. Right. So it's like I don't think you're really mad at Casey for what he's done. You're mad your boyfriend got taken, <laughs> basically. So I'm Being just like a teenage girl. Yeah, I can't justify her screaming at him. You know, it's like you could have screamed at him for something he truly did wrong rather yeah. than this, you know. And so she's like, whatever, Amber. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think attacking uh, Casey at that in, in that kind of manner is totally like way off. I definitely don't think he deserved that. And as far as her reaction to Bray being missing, this is just another uh, point of her and Bray are not. You know, they're not the it couple of the entire trap series. Um, Amber really comes off as super clingy 
in whatever relationship she's in, from Sasha to, to Bray to to Jay. Uh, so, yeah, it doesn't... When I first saw it, it didn't surprise me that she reacted that way because she kind of hinted that she's kind of like that in relationships uh, with Sasha. But, um, yeah, she really does need to, to calm down and uh, yeah. take a chill pill. And I, I think other people in the tribe... You see, there has to be that one person in the tribe that needs to um, hold her accountable for, for some of her actions as a leader. Well, they do yeah. in season one, later season yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, I think Casey just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time with Amber at that moment, you know? Yeah. But, we'll see next episode. She snaps at everybody. Yeah. Like, I mean, she's just... But then, you know, she's supposed to be this strong, independent, you know, functioning woman, right? But in this instance, it, it does show us that she is just a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. You know, she is. Like, deep down, she has the same feelings that a, a teenage girl would have, that Zandra would have, you know? like She's fallible. She's human. Yes, yes. She's flawed, you know? So, I mean, it is good to see that part of her, but at the same time, it's like, come on. Come on. We're doing this again? Like, okay, sure. <laughs> I also wonder if she only yelled at Casey because she knew he wasn't going to do anything back. Oh, probably. Whereas if, if Tyzan was in front of her, <laughs> knowing what happened to Zandra. Yeah, like, I don't think she would have yelled at any of the older, the older members of the tribe. You know, she wouldn't have done that. But like, say, Chloe or Patsy or any of them, like, I feel like she would have taken it out on any of those three. She might have. I do think Casey was just in the wrong place at the mm-hmm. wrong time. And he was an easy target. Yes, you know, because she could told, she could call him out for having done something wrong, you know. And it's like Amber, you had time to actually be mad at Casey when it mattered, and um, now you're just taking out your frustration because of Bray. Yep. To be fair to Amber, I'm totally fine with her being concerned about Bray. For being, sure. You know, it's okay for her to be upset that her boyfriend, the person she cares about, has been taken by Ebony, who did threaten to throw him off a balcony. Yes. Be concerned, but you know. This is just writing her over the top. Sometimes it feels that writers will, when they need something kind of dumb to happen or they just need to get the plot moving, they will take either a female character and have her act irrational about love mm-hmm. or a child and have them just do something stupid because they're kids and it doesn't. Yeah. We've seen it happen, you know, with Trudy, with Celine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's very noticeable when they take a very rational character like Amber. And have mm-hmm. her act like this lunatic over her boyfriend, just so things will happen. Before I actually gush about Trudy, let's talk about that moment with uh, Amber. Because like, did anyone find it um, a bit weird that she wasn't open with Amber and told her about the history then and there with um, Ebony? Um, Especially after everything she's been through. I don't think... I don't think it's necessarily weird. She probably just didn't want to add any more turmoil to what Amber's probably already feeling. Right. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if she, if she would have told her, you know, her history, would Amber have still wanted to find him? Like, I don't, that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough call there. I think that's a very tough call. Um, one, I mean, it's not your, I don't think it's really anybody's right to tell someone else the dating history of a person. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like it's up to me to uh, be like, oh, you're dating my friend? Well, let me tell you everybody they've dated and any issues they've had with them. Um, I, I feel like Amber, uh, Trudy's in a, a tight, 
place. You know, yeah. she if she says, well, you know, Ebony and Bray dated before, she's only going to add to Amber's anxiety, which she clearly does not want to do. Exactly. And just because Ebony and Bray dated before doesn't mean anything. And you can see Trudy doesn't want to believe it means anything. Mm-hmm. So she's not trying to give Amber something to worry about. Um, she tells her enough to calm her. Like, they knew each other and she'll never hurt him. I can tell you yes. that. You know what I mean? Like, calm down. He's safe. But she knows Ebony wouldn't hurt Bray. The reasons she doesn't feel it's necessary to tell Amber, I, I think she's just afraid of making the situation worse while also being, you know, respectful to Bray and his privacy. If he wants to tell Amber he dated Ebony, that's his choice. That's yeah. not Amber's, and that's not uh, uh, Trudy's place to tell. And again, how would that help the situation? You really think in Amber's state of mind right now that finding out the woman who kidnapped her boyfriend dated him at one point? Yeah, no, that wouldn't have been good. And Trudy's thinking, I don't think that's the best thing for her to hear right now. I don't think that would help at all. I think this says a lot about Trudy as a character, you know, as a person, to protect Amber's feelings like that when Amber didn't protect hers. Right. She's trying to be a friend and Mm -hmm. thinking that wouldn't help. And it's not relevant. And, you know, Trudy's like, it's not really relevant. Um, And it's also giving Bray the benefit of the doubt, you know, because she's not making any assumption that, oh, just because they dated before, Bray's going to run off with Ebony. You know what I mean? Like, it's not something you need to worry about, Amber. So I totally understand her not saying anything about it. And I don't think she, it was her responsibility to do so. No. I do think it's a little weird, you know, that she didn't say anything because Amber asked outright. But I I think I agree with you. You know, she gave her enough information. Um, that's really all she needed to hear was that Amber, or Ebony would never do anything to hurt him. Also, Trudy, I mean, Amber's question is kind of ambiguous. Is there anything I need to know? Well, right. That's that's really up to, you know, does Trudy feel like she needs to know this? And true, yeah. Trudy's like, I don't think you need to know they dated. I don't know, think that would help at all. Um, and that and maybe she's afraid that would cause conflict between Amber and Bray. And she's not trying to do that. You know, as yeah. hurt as she was that they got together, she doesn't wish either of them any maliciousness. And, um, no. So, yeah, it's, I don't think it's fair that Trudy should have to bear the brunt of dealing with that. <laughs> I, I don't either, she, but I do think it makes sense that Amber would ask her. Oh, yeah. I mean, because it's not like Trudy's that good at subterfuge, you know. Um, and they've, know, they know, they've known each other, obviously knew each other before the virus. So, I mean, yeah, it makes sense that Amber would go to her. But maybe she should have been so vague about that question. Well, it, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's like you have, Amber has a good question. Why would Ebony take Bray? What purpose does that serve? She's never shown a real interest in him before. It's not like she couldn't have kept Bray any other time. So, yeah, it makes mm-hmm. sense that Amber would be like, why did she take him? Like, what was the point of that? And, you know, Trudy's evasive. I don't know. <laughs> That's the thing, though. You know, is it Trudy lying to her or is it just her leaving out certain details? Does that still constitute lying? You know, I don't think it's lying because even with what Trudy knows, she's not sure why Ebony took Bray either at this uh- point. I feel I mean, like um, she knows. Come, yeah, I mean, come she, she on. Knows. She knows that Ebony always wanted Bray. Yeah. You know, and yeah. Ebony always gets what Ebony wants. But Ebony also dumped Bray. Keep that in mind. She yeah. only dumped Bray for, for, for Martin because Martin was had power. You know what I mean? But she Trudy does power. not know that. Remember, Trudy doesn't know what Ebony's thinking. You know what I mean? For a while, Trudy thought Ebony was going to steal her baby. 
she doesn't know what goes on in Ebony's well, mind. You I mean, know what Ebony I mean? was saying things that... So but just, no, she <laughs> thought he was going to take her baby before Ebony even knew about the baby. Because Bray had put that idea in her head. My point is that she doesn't really know what Ebony thinks. What motivates her. And, you know, the flashbacks will show us that she's never understood why Ebony hated her. Or why Ebony targeted her. Or why she interfered in her life. She doesn't know what's going on in Ebony's head. She don't trust her. She knows that. But she doesn't get why Ebony does the things she does, you know. So I think it's fair to say she doesn't know exactly why Ebony would take Bray now when she's shown zero interest in him this whole time. And again, I would not want to infer that she took him for these reasons and caused trouble if I'm wrong. I wouldn't want to do that. I would be like, I don't, I don't want to put any ideas in anyone's head. I don't know. I honestly don't know. And she tells Amber that later when Amber's like, why didn't you tell me? She's like, I didn't know what was the best thing to do. I honestly didn't. I don't know what I would have done. So, uh, so Bray and Ebony, are we really, did they really dated? Or are we just saying they dated because they just had sex? Because there's a difference. <laughs> I, I think there was more to it than just the, that one night, you know, after the dance. Uh, I mean... We see a picture later on you know when i think they taken? had an actual relationship yeah that's what i mean like when was mm -hmm. that taken why would that be taken if they weren't in an actual relationship you know yeah i i think i mean yes their relationship was sexual but i think they mm -hmm. actually dated they were boyfriend yeah. and girlfriend and uh bray was really into her and and i think he felt betrayed as well when she went to you know martin by zoot he was zoot by that point interesting yeah I they just, I think they never felt like a couple to me. I felt like they had just such great chemistry, and it's one of those things that, like, oh, this should have happened, but I felt like it just never did. Yeah, I don't feel like Bray would have such animosity to her towards her had something not happened. You know, like, did she break his heart? You know what I mean? His relationship uh, to Ebony is so complicated that, yes. yeah, it, it just, that, that's not just some person who is casually in his no. life. No. They had something. They shared something. She betrayed him. She broke his heart. He has acted as nothing more than a bitter ex-boyfriend to her since they started communicating. Yep. Yeah. And then as far as the whole Trudy and Amber thing, um, I agree. I think it's not Trudy's place to talk about, you know, uh, someone else's relationship or two other people's relationship that happened in the past. And then second, it would make no sense for, for Trudy to even tell her what happened to them in the past, especially if, if uh, Amber can be honest with Trudy about being in a relationship with Bray. So, I mean, Trudy can be a petty person and she can hold a grudge, but I think she's better than that. Right, but I wouldn't, but if she would have not answered because she wanted to hold that grudge, she's like, well, I don't really want to see your relationship work out. I wouldn't have been mad at that. I wouldn't have been mad at that either, but it's just, I don't feel like that's necessarily in her character to do that. I think she does want to see other people be happy. Trudy is always fighting to be her better angels. Yes, exactly. Like she wants to be a better person. But I get what you're saying, Carlin, that if yeah, she had chosen I did to be petty, then you don't feel like that would have been wrong. <laughs> no, I mean, I agree. Like I absolutely 100% agree like, with that. She doesn't owe either of these two anything at this <laughs> point. It's like your relationship, no. your business. I don't want any part in it. <laughs> no, but I, I don't think that that was what it was, you know? Yeah, I think Trudy was just like, I don't know what's the best thing to say without causing mm -hmm. trouble. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to get anyone into any trouble. And I don't want to bring up a past that may not be relevant. And You know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah. Just, just know that I, I know he won't be hurt. I know Ebony won't hurt him. Just, you know, we talk about this past, you know what I mean? But like, if you think about it, it really wasn't that long ago. For teenagers, it was. I, I know, for teenagers. Like, you know it was a I whole mean? year ago. That was a million but years. It, it, yeah, it, yeah, you're right. It wasn't that long ago. It, you know, so like, if their relationship was a thing and it was right before, you know, all the adults actually died, because you see them together at the dance and the adults are wearing masks, right? Later on, right? Yeah. Like, so it's, it could still be fresh. Like the the pain or whatever hurt they both felt, like because Bray definitely, definitely, like you said, sounds like a scorned ex boyfriend. I mean, uh, it can it can be fresh, but with all the trauma and different uh, emotional stress factors that these teenagers have been going through, it could possibly be ages. Time is relative, depending on how you feel about it. There yeah. was this movie I love, this joke in it, where um. This couple, they broke up eight months ago. And depending on who they're talking to, they act like eight months is either forever or a very short time ago. So in, mm -hmm. one, in one situation, they want to talk about the relationship. The girl wants everyone to remember her ex-boyfriend. She's like, remember my ex-boyfriend, Eric? And her friend's like, I don't remember. She's like, Hillary, it was only eight months ago. But then when he's talking to her and asking about their relationship, she's like, who remembers? It was eight months ago. <laughs> so I do think that can play a part, you know, a year depending on what you're feeling, could feel like... If Bray had to explain his relationship to Amber, that he dated Ebony, I'm sure he would be like, dude, it was a year ago, Amber. Yes. You know? But if he's talking to Ebony about how she hurt him, it's like, mm -hmm. Ebony, it was only a year ago. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it just really depends on what you're feeling and who you're conveying it to, whether or not a year is a long time. And, you know, like, teenagers process things a heck of a lot different than adults do. Oh, I mean, it's a tricky situation for both of them, I think. But it also just, it comes down to the writers being kind of wishy-washy with how important mm -hmm. the past is. Because yeah. they, it's like they forget. They bring up these things from these kids' past, but they do forget how much time would have passed and how, you know, these kids would have processed these things a lot faster. So sometimes they treat these things as though they legit just happened before the show started. You know what I mean? And forget that you know trudy and bray were together alone for months and months and months but they act as though they've never discussed anything in their relationship and so sometimes i feel like the writers forget how time works and how things process and we'll treat an event that happened a long time ago as though it just happened and you'll notice this going forward in the show we'll meet new characters you know like all the way in season five who still behave as though the virus just happened even though it's been years at this point and yeah. they haven't done anything since the virus happened. They haven't had anything happen to them. It's like, Oh, there was the virus. And now I'm here in season five. And it's like, what were you doing through the other four seasons? You know, like where, what happened to you? And there is nothing because they just poofed into existence. So um, that could just be a writer problem. Yeah, it could be. I mean, uh, it is kind of weird. <laughs> I agree. I think the whole time and space thing of this show is, is pretty off, but there, <laughs> I think it all it would have took was just a few flashbacks episodes or more flashback episodes. More flashbacks, they, yeah. That they gave us. Yeah. I agree. I would like to see more flashbacks, for sure. Do we even know how many years have we, has, have we come to a, collect, a, a collective agreement on how many years it was from season one to season five? I, I count Brady. I say three years. I think that's what I'm saying, three. I usually say well, three as well. since Brady aged like five years in a count of two days, maybe maybe longer. 
Look but she did. She was she only three at the end of the age of five. She's like three years old, and it was the same baby from season three to season five. Yes. So, um, yeah, I'm just gonna say three years passed because one episode that baby aged like two years. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and then and then you know she would go from being older to being younger to being older, and then they got an actual actual actress to play her. In season three, they was, they settled down on one little actress to play the yeah. baby, and they stuck with her all the way to season yeah. five. And she's crawling she, in season three, and she's like three years old in season five. Yeah, she can't be any older than three yeah. at the end of season five, for sure. Like, at best, I might push it to four, just at Same. best, but I'm not going further than that with her. Yeah. But, I mean, that's just my headcanon, my general, to make sense, sense of things, because... Mm-hmm. That's the way I see it, too. Yeah, hers is really one of the only ages I can vary it on. Because the virus started when a mother conceived her, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, if someone else wants to say that, you know, I mean, the show's not consistent. I mean, look at the flashback of Slade and his brother. <laughs> like, uh, how many years ago was Oh, my that? God. <laughs> oh, Mega, you had such a glow up. Like, was that 10 years ago? <laughs> so, I mean, not even, t- like, yeah, it's just... They don't even look alike either. <laughs> well, that, that's time. Mm-hmm. Get your hands on a hot plate and 30 seconds could feel like 30 minutes. Get your hands on a hot mate and 30 minutes can feel like 30 seconds. Uh-huh. Back to season one. Um, let's go back to Trudy again because um, what did everyone think of her despite the Amber talk? What do you think of her in this episode? Because she continues to kind of be like the heart of the tribe and reinforces the sentiment that this is still their home and they, they can all start again. Um, yeah, what would you, you make of her? I loved her this episode. I really did. And I love, because it's every, like it seems like every episode we see more and more of her growth. And more and more of her coming out of, of the Trudy that we knew in the beginning. And it's just good to see. It's so good to see. I think Heart of the Tribe is a very de- good descriptor of what she has been. Um, yeah, since she came out of her really dark space. Just the, the true content of her character. You know, she does care about people. She wants the best for them. She wants to be a good person. And she fights very hard to be the best version of herself as possible. And um, I know people, it sticks in their head what she was like in the first few weeks. I get that, you know. But she's proven to us that that was a fluke for her. That was a really extreme period of time she was going through. But this is who she really is, you know, and it's really beautiful. She's fighting for everyone and being a calm center for everyone. And that emotional, uh, what do they call it? Like emotional labor should not be discounted, you know? No. You know, I think though in the beginning, you know, it, it had been her and Bray alone for so long. Maybe she didn't really know how to be around other people and how to think about anybody other than herself and Bray, you know? Like joining this tribe, it kind of threw her off and then, you know, she had the baby and postpartum depression and and whatever um and now she's learning how to live amongst a family again and we're really seeing who she is and what she's capable of and who she can become yeah so i'm not gonna lie the second time i saw this episode i kind of thought dale like slipped some chill pills and whatever food (laughs) Trudy was eating because i'm like oh my goodness like tensions are rising braids are missing like, people are, like, you know, they're high-strung. Like, how is Trudy not losing... How is she not being Trudy to Moody right now? And I was pretty surprised. She kept a level head. She was the voice of reason. She was 
everything that you would you would want or you would think that Trudy would be after coming out of such a dark space earlier in the season. So yeah, my hats are I take my hat off to Dale for doing his thing this episode and helping Trudy <laughs> calm down. <laughs> See, that's what I this always this, I guess this is why it makes me so defensive of Trudy. People have assigned her these personality quirks without ever actually focusing on when those sides of Trudy actually come up. Yeah. And like you said, Carlin, you saw her in this episode and you thought, wow, she's suddenly so calm. But it's like, go back. She's been this way for a while. This isn't suddenly a new Trudy where she's being calm, the calm center and being rational. She's mm -hmm. been this way for a long time. If you count up the episodes where she's acting like a psycho and all the episodes where she's acting like a very rational person, there are more episodes of her being rational than of her being, you know, psychotic and moody. And then you have to attribute it to what was going on. Now, I yeah. criticized the hell out of Trudy, okay, when she acted like that. But I can't deny she has reason for have lost, losing her money, all the things she was going through. I can't say anybody else would have acted any better, given her age and the situation she was in. And so it's just, it feels really unfair that people attribute Trudy to being irrational all the time, moody. And it's like, when she is, she has a really good reason. Her child has been kidnapped. She has been kidnapped. She's been brainwashed by a cult. She's being abused by the cult leader. She shouldn't be rational in those situations. So I, it kind of bugs me that people always attribute Trudy as just this crazy person. And it's just like, did you watch the show? Did you pay attention to what happened to her? You know, and that when things are good, Trudy is good. She's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. She's a perfectly yeah. rational yeah. and kind person, you know, and sorry. I just, yeah. I think it's no, I agree. Thing. I agree. Even I with agree. the Bray thing, you know, where she lashes out at everybody in the beginning because of Bray. Like I said, it was her and him for so long. She didn't have to share him, you know, and now she's got to share his attentions with not only other girls, but uh, other people. And she, you know, was used to being able to be selfish. And then she had to learn to not be selfish anymore. No, I'm just saying, for the moment Trudy realized my behavior is unacceptable, I can't mm -hmm. be this way anymore, I need to grow up and face reality. Yes. She does. She yes. does. And she fights all the way through it. You know what I mean? She has mm -hmm. so much hurt inside of her, and she's keeping it together. Even when she could be rightfully angry. Yeah, you know, even when she could be rightfully angry at Bray, she's the first to apologize when she lashes out at him. Like, I'm sorry, you know, I shouldn't have done that. Um, like, she's just been great. And it's just like, it shouldn't be a surprise to us at all that she's holding her own in this episode because she's been doing it for a long time now, you know. I just like seeing more of it, you know, and I like really seeing how stable she's becoming. And it's like, oh, this is who she is. This is who she's always been. And it's only... It's only when they, they decide to throw a huge curveball at her and then she and people judge her and it's like, how would you have acted in that situation? Are you trying to tell yeah. me you would have acted any better, you know, going through that? I doubt it. <laughs> no. Not at fourteen years old. Come on. <laughs> I know full grown adults who would not have handled this Same. situation any better. <laughs> I wouldn't have handled it now any better. You are correct. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I agree. I think um, over like a handful of episodes. Uh, Trudy has been very calm, very rational, and uh, the voice of reason. But, you know, with having, um, I guess, having less moments where she is being Trudy to Moody, 
that's what people are always going to remember her as. Therefore, you don't really remember when someone's being calm, if, if that makes sense. So No, you're right. That's true. We tend to... She can be so over the top when she does get like that. Exactly. And I guess it, it stays in your head harder. Exactly. And Trudy's tan- tangents, when she goes on these tangents, is arguably the most entertaining thing the show has to offer. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Antonia's really good at it. <laughs> yeah, she does do a great job. Yeah, from the butter knife incident to... Oh, there's just so many classic, classic moments. <laughs> so basically, tr- Crazy Trudy's more memorable than normal Trudy. <laughs> I buy that. That's good. I'm the same way with, you know, Broody Bray. <laughs> yeah, you know, I get, you, Carlin, I think that's actually really fair because, for example, when I think about, like, Celine and Ryan in season two, um, I, for a long time, all I could yeah. remember was all the things I hated about the relationship because it just stood out to me more than everything that was good about their relationship. And I had to revisit it many times before I had a better, well-rounded yeah. view of the relationship <laughs> because everything that was bad stood out in my head just too much, you know, more than anything else. And I guess that that's fair. You're just too good at it, Antonia. <laughs> she is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really good actress. Yeah, alongside Trudy, there's one other MVP for support in this yes. episode. And that's definitely Absolutely. Dow. Um, during Amber's absence, he's left to pick up all the pieces of her actions, comforting an upset KC. He also keeps Jack grounded, but does reinforce the idea that he is their last best hope. Um, so yeah, Pano, what do you make of Dal's support to both KC and Jack? I loved it. He is. Oh, besides from that too, boy, you know. Man. Like, I just, with him and KC, I thought it was amazing. I really did. I was like, oh, you go, Dal. I love it. Absolutely love it. And yes, good boyfriend to Jack. It's, it's that emotional labor that you do in your relationships that people forget how important it is. It's what keeps things rolling, keeps things moving. You know, um, I, I love the way he explains the Amber situation to Casey. Like, he doesn't get mad at Amber. He's just very rational about the situation. She's upset and she can't. And, and also, I love the fact he tells him, that's not how yes. we do things here. Amber couldn't just throw you out, even if she really wanted to. We vote people in, and that was Amber's idea, you know? And uh, it just calms Casey down because he just hits him with facts very calm facts you know and and then Casey lets it go he doesn't even remember that Amber lashed mm-hmm. out at him he's like oh it wasn't personal it wasn't even about me I gotcha you know and that's the resilience of a child you know yeah and you know Dal himself isn't even upset about hearing it he's just like ah you know she's fine <laughs> Dal's known her longer than anybody else too what says that his reaction to her lashing out like that and the last time she did it, notice how calm he is both times. Yeah. Tell me she's going to be fine. Del has seen this before. <laughs> yeah. No, she'll, she'll be fine in a week or two. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. She'll be okay. She just needed to blow up. It's, yeah. yeah. We all he have our moment. Blown up I did like, though, with him with Jack, you know, and really knocking that sense into Jack. Like, Jack is their last best hope as far as discovering what the antidote could be in this moment, you know? Yeah. And it's very nice to see, you know, Dal reassure him that what you're doing is the right thing, keep doing it. Because I think that's what Jack needed to hear. Just stay in your rational mind about it, Jack. Yep, yep. You are doing cr- what, what you need to be doing. You're doing the right thing. Don't get discouraged. It, it, come on, you, you, the chocolate moment was just so... <laughs> that was so cute. Oh my gosh. I walked back into the room just as that was happening and I was like, oh, he got him chocolates. 
You guys, when I saw that, all I could think was, oh my gosh, he's saying sorry for being such a pessimist. Like, he, yeah. You know what I mean? Because every time Jack got excited about something, Dal would bring him back down to the ground. And he didn't want to do it. He feels bad for doing it. So he brings him chocolate. Like, I'm sorry, baby. You keep doing what you're doing. I believe in yeah. you. Love it. I was like, oh my gosh. You Jack's too. reaction to it was so cute, too. Yeah, was Jack. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, he's sorry. <laughs> my man love me. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely the MVP of the episode. Giving the chocolate to Jack. Oh, he did talking so to Jack, good. talking to Casey, and then giving the chill pills to Trudy. Yeah, like he let Casey, you know, a ch- be a, a chance to be a, a kid again and play. And I loved, you know, Casey's response to Amber. What are you doing? I'm playing. <laughs> you know, like that's what I'm yeah. doing. <laughs> also, I'm still kind of surprised. Well, I guess it's probably too early to talk about it, but I'm also kind of surprised that. There hasn't, because throughout the very first episode of season one, I thought that they were kind of building something between Jack, or excuse me, <laughs> not Jack and Dale, but uh, Dale and Amber. You know what I mean? Like, I thought there was going to be that kind of uh... brother-sister relationship, but then he wants more, and then he gets rejected, but that just never I've happened. I've read things where that's, I've read things where that's not entirely incorrect. I can see that. Yeah, so... I think, I just think it's very interesting that, um, obviously, Dale is her friend. Uh, he's always going to be supportive. Mm-hmm. He, he's always going to help her in, in that sense. But uh, I don't think we've, I don't, well, at least maybe I don't remember. I just don't see him, uh, you know, just being angry at her at once or having any type of, like, other emotions towards her rather than happy. Well, you supportive. know what I think about that. He got upset with her. He got upset with her in the beginning. When she, you know, insisted that they had to stay. He didn't want to stay. You know, they were supposed to leave. You know, he was upset with her for that. You know, he was upset when he left with Trudy. Like, because it was supposed to be him and Amber. It wasn't supposed to be him and Trudy. You know? (laughs) Um, So I don't think that's entirely true. I know I looked at Trudy at that moment. He's like, you're the new Amber now. Let's go. (laughs) Basically, yeah. We got to (laughs) go. That is just, you, he's a very calm person. He's very measured. It takes a lot to upset Dal, and even then, it's only in very small bursts, and then he's immediately over it. Like, he might yes. raise his voice and be like, hey! You know, he might have to slap Jack, and then he's done. He's over it. He's, it doesn't stay with him. Nothing festers. Yeah, Dal. and I, I see a lot, like, of him raising his voice, and then in this, like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I had to do that, you know? Yeah. Like, and I do think that's why he's friend- he can be friends with someone as forceful as Amber or as, you mm-hmm. know, as spastic as Jack. Because he's the calm center of them. Yes. You know, and uh, yeah, he's just an even-keeled person. He has shown anger at Amber. But it just, like I said, with Dal, his frustration with people does not fester. He doesn't hold on to things. He has it, and he processes it very quickly, and Mm -hmm. then moves the frick on. Like He is the king of letting things roll off his shoulders. Oh my goodness, like water off a duck's back. I wish I could be that laid back. I do, too. Chill pills. Like, he did. <laughs> he doesn't hold he never holds a grudge. Even if someone brings up a grudge that he could hold, he's just like, eh, you know, that happened yesterday. Yeah, like the Ebony thing, I should have you should have stayed with me. You would have been better as a slave, you know. Yeah, like he's he not even annoyed. Like, ah! Yeah. Like yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad I didn't. But he's not even <laughs> yeah, upset. Yeah. Was <laughs> he wasn't even upset when he was on the save block. He was just like, 
No. Eh, this might as well happen. No, I can't. <laughs> well, this, this sounds about right. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. When Casey comes to him saying that, you know, Amber, you know, she's thinking of kicking me, says she's going to kick me out from Tribe Circus. Dal doesn't even take a moment to actually be annoyed about the Tribe Circus thing. He's like, oh, yeah, this morning when we almost all burnt to death. Um, right. Yeah, but, you know, she won't because we'd have to vote you out. So don't worry about it, kid. Let's play with helicopters. And he's like, jeez, Let's play with helicopters. Love it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I think that's part of what makes his relationships work with these strong personalities is that everything bounces off Dal. Yeah, and it's not that they're walking all over him either. You know, because he doesn't allow that. He'll stand up for himself if he needs to. Yeah. Like, but he's he's cool with them controlling the situation because that's what they do. You know, that's who they are, and this is who he is. Yeah, but he's a little too cool at it. I think I don't think I've ever seen anyone on this series that has been like so friend zoned <laughs> as Dale. <laughs> I think he got over that 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 crush or whatever he may have had on Amber I mean, quickly. You know, because you saw how happy how happy he was for him and for her and Bray. You know, like he was like, "All oh, right, that's awesome. I love that." You know, there was only one moment where I thought that Dal might have had deeper feelings for Amber. And that's when Sasha first expresses that he has feelings for Amber. And he asks Dal, he's like, is that okay with you? And Dal's like, yes, no, I don't know. And you see, it, that's the only time Dal seems to be in conflict as to what he feels for Amber. And then right. he just, he says, look, she means a lot to me. She's like a sister. Just don't mm -hmm. mess with her. You yeah. know? And um, so that's as close as I feel like they ever really get to playing with the idea that Dal wanted more with Amber. You know, maybe there was something before that, you know, the show started. But. I don't remember where I read this at. It was either uh, I heard it from someone about the, about one of the books or it was a pre-tribe story. But right. As there the, was supposed to have been more, you know. Yeah. But as far as far as the show goes, they don't really they don't really dabble with that. Exactly. And as, as Lance would say, they didn't even do a good oh job. God, I was going to mention. Yeah. So. They didn't have any friendship no. anyway. So it doesn't matter. I know, but like I'm, I'm trying to justify that as okay. They were it was just the two of them. They only had the two of them. Now they have this whole family, and Dal can branch out and get other friends. You know, like that's how I'm justifying that. You know, he doesn't need Amber like that anymore because he's got other people. Well, you know what? <laughs> you can blame Amber for their friendship and why their chemistry is so off because it always seemed like Dale wanted to be closer friends, but as soon as Amber took one look at Bray for the first time, it was over. Yeah, but I think that was more, you know, had to do with the fact that he had or was tr still trying to accept the fact yeah. that they were stuck there. She wasn't going to leave that mall. She wasn't going to leave those kids. And then, you know, Bray comes in and then all of a sudden, this is really not going to happen now. We're here. This is where we're living now. She just you know? wanted any other friendship than Dal. Let's just submit it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I need to, I got to okay. defend this friendship. Even though, no, no, I, I actually agree with Lance. I don't think the show does a great job portraying these guys as friends because, like I said, they don't have any shared hobbies or shared interests. They don't even spend time together, like, telling jokes. Like, they don't do anything together. But some friendships can be that way. My best friend of the last 25 years is someone that I see maybe three times a year, if that. And it's not because she lives far away. And mm -hmm. it's not there's no impediment to us seeing each other except that i am just a i don't socialize that way and she completely understands that my best friend spends more time with other everybody in the world but me he still yeah. considers me her best friend um, i have that's the same that i am with my best year. friend as well um 
she knows it's it's almost impossible to get me to come out. Like, we will make time for each other four times a year where it's like, I will go out of my way to go see her or she will come see me. And she gets that about me. And that's the way we've just always been. You know, even in high school, four years of high school as friends, we didn't hang out. We didn't go out. And we were friends, though. We just got each other. If I need her, I can just call her up and be like, I need you. And she's there. If she needs me. Yeah. I'm there. But we just don't need to be in each other's life on a daily basis. We know we're okay. So I can say there are weird friendships like that. And I've had one for, you know, the quarter of a century where that is just the norm for us. I'm not Mm -hmm. exaggerating. She is my best friend in the world. She knows me almost better than anybody. And I I don't ever see her. (laughs) Yeah, mine lives 20 minutes from me, 20 minutes from my house. And I'm like, like, a half hour from me. (laughs) I know I could show up anytime. I love you, Patty, you know, but I love you. (laughs) You know, I could show up at her door anytime. I could be like, I need your couch to sleep on. Or, sweetie, I need a night out. Boom. She would drop Mm -hmm. everything for me. If she needed me, I'd do the same thing. We're just different. We like different things. We want to do different things. She She's very active. She likes to go out. She's like an amber. She's assertive. She's out there in the world. And I'm a Dow. I just want to leave me alone. You know? <laughs> yeah. Let me have my little private project. Go <laughs> and we just get that of each other. So it is possible to have friendships like that. That can still be really close. Even though on the outside, they don't look like they even exist. Just saying. Yeah, I, I completely buy that. I'm just not between amber and Dow at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not between these two. It's not those two. No, I refuse. <laughs> oh, we see them a little closer later on. I won't lie. They could have done better with the moments when they are together mm-hmm. to cement what it is that makes these two click. And I admit, they don't really do that. That's true. I'm going to give that to you, Lance, because I get it. I understand. <laughs> you, you can have this one. You win. Uh, just, yeah, just never, never bought that friendship. That's my favorite running joke of yours, Lance. I love it. Mm-hmm. Makes me giggle every time. Especially anytime that like Amber and Dal's relationship is emphasized on the show. <laughs> Come on, say it, Lance. <laughs> I never believed in that friendship in the first place. It's like the writers suddenly remember, oh yeah, they're friends. Okay, let's, let's do a quick scene. He's like, okay, yeah. Whatever. Yes. <laughs> that is true. That is so true. It doesn't help that they both have better chemistry with yeah. everybody else. <laughs> Even Bob. <laughs> How's it going? I'm stuck again. These files have got some sort of no password. What have you tried? Uh, virus, antidote, formula, apocalypse, Armageddon, everything. I mean, it could be anything like something, something really simple. Have you tried saying please? Yeah, as if. <laughs> please. Just a quick small thing, but um. What did you make of the top secret files being hidden under the password, please? <laughs> oh, I thought it was great. I loved it. Oh, Lord. His, just Jack's reaction to it, Casey being like... <laughs> <laughs> that was a cute callback to the conversation Casey had just uh-huh. had with Dow. Yes. And you know what's weird about it? For me, it made the, the, the adults that don't have a personality they don't have a persona they're just a monolith the adults you know they don't have names this made it reminds you that they were people with personalities and senses of humor somebody thought that was funny they made that their password you know what i mean somebody's working here in this top secret facility thought that was funny it might have been a private joke 
I just like that moment of humanity. You know what I mean? It it worked for me. I like that. It's silly, but I don't know. It just works. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it does annoy me. Though. I get it. Reasonably, it shouldn't be something like that. But again, remember, we are human, even when we're doing super serious stuff. You know, and I buy it. I totally buy someone having a dumb password like that. Oh yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Like, they may be the smartest person in the world, but they might not have any common sense. They just thought this was funny. Who did they think was going to get to their files? You know what I mean? True. And it's just them and their coworkers. This was on Hope Island, a place with a minefield. Nobody was going to accidentally get these files. So, yeah. I mean, I can totally understand someone being like, ah, this doesn't need to be that secure. You know, and haha, guess what my password is? Bill, Bill, guess what my password is? <laughs> but please, uh, <laughs> yeah. please. You're an idiot. But it would have I know, like a capital letter and an exclamation mark or something. It would have. A... <gasps> oh yeah, but this is the early two thousand. Could have been an intern. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have to have those. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't have to have. They'll just use the word. This is before. Yeah. Need yeah. special characters government, and... like government files. Really, they they were more secure than that. He could have been an intern. He just doesn't know how things go. <laughs> He doesn't have things operating. <laughs> it was his first day. My bad. <laughs> They're like, you need to put a password on these. He was like, oh, okay. Um, and he just he blanks because he's so stressed. No I one will do this. <laughs> I could see that, actually. He doesn't even know what they're working on. <laughs> no. Please. Sell them. Yes, Ryan. Get what you can for them. They're designer labels. Should raise something. But why? I don't want any of it. I'm having a new start. A new Xander. Why? That Xander was a fool. He used to get dressed up for Lex and he never loved me. What was I thinking? But I like that Xander. Well, you just have to get used to a new one. I'm gonna be a mother. I don't want my kid to think her mom's got fluff where her brains should be. Um, yeah. In this episode, we see Zandra decide to try and make a fresh start by asking Ryan to get rid of all of her designer clothes and to try and get food for the little ones. Um, Ryan agrees, but he adds that he likes her, whoever she decides to become. Yeah, what did you make of Zandra trying to kind of fresh start? She's finally facing reality. Uh, she's gone through the grieving process of losing her fantasy, you know? So she went through anger. She's went through denial. She's gone through depression. She went through bargaining, and now she's finally reached acceptance that the fantasy mm. she had about she and Lex was not real. She had to mourn it. She had to grieve it. And now she's here, where she's like, it wasn't real. You know what I mean? And I, I chose to live that way. I chose to indulge in it, and this is how it turned out for me. And I can accept that mistake. It's time to move forward. I don't have to be that way. I can be a better person. Um, it just that felt very real. Like the, all the stages she goes through with letting this fantasy go. Um, so that she can move on and look at herself in the mirror and what kind of person she wants to be and what she wants. And uh, she doesn't want to be foolish and someone who could be taken advantage of like that anymore. You know what I mean? And she's got someone to think about. She says, I don't want my kid to think, you know, her mom's got fluff where her brain should be. I have someone else to think about other than myself. I have to live in reality now. Now that you're saying it that way, I, I can see it a lot more that way. I, I, just don't like Sandra, so it's very hard for me to sympathize with her. Mm -hmm. But uh, with you breaking it down into the stages, you know, like you're absolutely correct. Maybe she really has finally accepted what is happening and what is, you know, what happened and what is going to be happening. So good for her, you know? I think it's a really good scene. I think um, 
Zandra is at the very beginning stages of the unlearning process, which is something I just realized is a thing, of the unlearning process of her learning or thinking that she learned when she was younger that romance is this fantasy thing and it should always be a type of fantasy thing, which is what she thought she was going to have with Lex. But when she realizes that Lex is, I mean, really just a piece of crap, she starts to unlearn all those things that she installed in her brain about what love is and what romance is and marriage. And now she's about to kind of go on this journey of self-realization. It's too bad she couldn't keep that journey. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it doesn't excuse things she's done. You know what I mean? At all. But um, it just, I don't know, it made sense to me. I've had to do that. I've had to do, I've had to realize I was a garbage person looking at myself in the mirror and had to deal with that. And that sucked. (laughs) So I didn't. Oh, yeah. I didn't think I was a garbage person. And then someone held up a mirror in my face and I was like, wow, I suck. So It's one thing for the people to say it to you. It's another thing for you to finally realize it. Right. And it's just like, well, now what am I going to do about it? You know what I mean? And uh, I, I just, when I look at how she behaves through once she's with Lex and then realizes that he still does scummy things when they're together. He's not her fantasy night. He's still causing trouble for them. And, you know, all the things she has to go through dealing with that is she's clinging to her fantasy with him and it doesn't work out for her, you know, and all the emotions she goes through. And I'm just like, yeah, she had to grieve losing this thing that meant so much to her. And, and she, now she has a reason to get the fuck over it. She has to, I don't know if she would have had this realization if she wasn't pregnant, but I do think it forced her hand, you know, um, Mm -hmm. This little life needs you to make the right choices for it, you know, and uh, yeah, it was a big wake up call for her. And um, I mean, I personally really liked it because I did not like her dive into Lex's toxicity. I didn't either. I hated it because Zandra had not been presented to us as that person. Yeah, she can be vapid. She can be an airhead. She can be self-absorbed. But she was also a nice person. You know, she, yeah. she didn't deliberately try to hurt anybody or cause trouble for people. And I really loved that about her. So seeing her dive into this terrible place that she indulged because she was with Lex, I didn't enjoy that. That sucked. You know, I was yeah. just like, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see her return to form. You know, it's like anybody who's had kids or a friend who dates somebody who isn't good for them and you see their personality change, it sucks. You're just like, no, don't you get with this person? You are not the same as you were now that you're with this person. They bring out the worst in you. They're not listening to you, and it's refreshing when that relationship's over and they find themselves again. You're just like, oh my gosh, you know, I have my child back, I have my friend back, you know. I, mm-hmm. and that's what I feel like with Zandra. It's just a return to who Zandra actually is, a kind person. She's thinking of the kids. She's trading her clothes in to help the tribe, you know. And it's like that's definitely a return to Zandra's attitude at the beginning before she was with Lex. So yeah, at the beginning when they first arrived, you know, she didn't agree with the way that Lex was acting or treating Mm -hmm. the others you know she tried to stand up for the girls and and she wanted trudy and the baby to stay and regardless of what lex said yeah she called him out when she's like lex you can't act that way it's not how it works here it's about cooperation and turned her you know he had her believing the only way that she could be with him was to be the way that he wanted her to be yeah once she got him she was willing to do anything and become anything Mm -hmm. to keep their fantasy 
and uh, it made her very ugly, you know, and it sucked to see. That's when I definitely started to dislike her. I was listening to you and Carlin, or was it Sabine and Carlin talking about her? And I I wasn't there for the podcast. I was listening to it. And I was just like, I, yeah, I was good thing. I wasn't there for that conversation because Zandra's behavior made me so angry. Like, I hate that she's turning into this person because she's so in love with Lex, you know, and yeah, I'm happy she's done with her journey. I'm sorry she had to go through it. It sucks for everybody to have to go through that. Um, But I'm glad it's a return to the Zandra that I enjoy. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I have and she's a little bit wiser. <laughs> I'm happy that she's at the end of this uh, journey as well. But it also goes to show you how universal the show is and how, you know, what Zandra uh, went through is what majority of people go through in relationships. And we'll definitely see this again, especially with uh, Ryan and Celine. I agree. Absolutely. Um, speaking of Celine, um, with the food situation getting desperate, we see her give up her emergency binge stash, explain to Tarsan that she no longer needs it. Her belief in herself has cured her of her bulimia, as she thinks that Tarsan has done the same for the virus. Um, yeah, panel, what do you think of Celine's growth here? Um, and like, do you believe it is something that sets the scene later for her interactions with the Chosen? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it was great of her. I think it was wonderful that she was able to feel so confident in herself that she didn't need that food. You know, that she could finally, you know, give it up. But for her to put the belief that she has into, into Tysan, it's scary. I actually agree with you, Maggie. I think, I don't know if the writers meant it, but the scene goes from this beautiful, uh, life-affirming moment of Celine believing in herself. Enough that mm-hmm. she's been able to conquer her binging and her purging. And um, she doesn't need that anymore. That's beautiful. But the minute you realize, like, when she starts saying, I believe you cured yourself. It takes her belief into a dangerous territory. Yes, yes it and does. It's a little, it's a little um, like, yes, belief is beautiful. But when people desperately need to believe in something, they might believe in anything. Uh-huh. And, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I agree. There's, there's something a little um, askew. It's almost like a Dutch angle suddenly. Like, oh, should I still feel happy about that? Or Maybe it's just me. And, see, had we not already seen the rest of the show, would we feel that way? Exactly. Exactly. Would we see that warning sign? No. You know, like, but now that we've seen that show, so we can see the prelude to, to what comes in the future. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But I would say it's, it's a lot better to, to put up with someone who believes in a lot of different stuff than someone who just doesn't believe in anything at all. Yes, but when those beliefs, you know, go into a dangerous territory, like, I'm sorry, Tysans did. Lex. You know what I mean? That's dangerous. That's messing with someone's life. Like, that's where it gets scary and where I draw the line. Yeah, I I agree. I think um, belief is a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to believe. But when you believe so hard that you wreck critical thinking, Tysan does not give her advice to Lex with any malicious thought. No. I stand truly believes this will help him. She yes. believes this. She thinks she's helping him. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. Lex blindly follows that belief because he actually trusts and admires Tyson. Um, he does. He does. And see how dangerous it was because she didn't cure herself of the virus. And if he'd continued down her path, he would have died because of this belief in her. And what she was able to do. So even though Tyson did not mean any harm, 
Maggie's right. That belief borders on dangerous. It can get people killed, even though that was not Tyson's intention. And so believing in something as so innocent as Tyson cured herself is a gateway to believing in the freaking chosen. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I do get it. I, and I don't know if that's where they were going, because I don't think they'd come up with the chosen at this point. But I do think it's just an interesting thought piece about belief and critical thought. I do think it's a sweet moment, though, between Celine and do. Tyson. I will say, though, when Celine said it was her last stash, it was her stash that she had in the sewer, I'm like, but why didn't the rats get it? It's just in a box. Me too! That is like, a book bag! They got the other one! They stole the tins before! What's mm. going on? <laughs> How'd this survive? <laughs> they eat all the rats already? Like, that's why I'm like, uh... I was like, I know what those rats are like. They're like lawnmowers. Yeah. That box yeah. should be shredded. <laughs> box of chocolate show that that thing of chocolate there shouldn't exist <laughs> they should have rolled the tins away <laughs> yes but a uh, continuity aside it's a beautiful moment <laughs> it, it really is i'm just really glad i didn't i wasn't the only one that had that thought it was my first thought i was like how come the rats didn't get it <laughs> that was my first thought too i'm like oh okay <laughs> he hung it up in the air like he would with bears <laughs> i know i'm like did she put it up somewhere but can't rats get anywhere they want to go like this no okay <laughs> see that rat zine ruined everything <laughs> i know i like i think that's a beautiful moment between them and you know like i said i know tyson's beliefs aren't meant to be dangerous she doesn't want to hurt anybody and it is kind for someone to show her kindness for her beliefs show her respect yes. for her beliefs but uh I will say I loved how like what she was pleased. You know, she was very pleased, not necessarily with herself, but with hearing Celine be like, You helped me. You know? Right. Because that's what she wants. That's what she wants yes. to do. She yes. genuinely wants to help people. So yeah, it's beautiful, but I do like that there is a dark side to it. That leads us to our final thoughts of the episode. Having found where Bray is being kept prisoner, a boy in Amber returns to a mall that has once again found its pride, having gone back to the group's core principles of caring and sharing what little they have. Um, yeah, panel, what did you make of how the Morats managed to turn themselves around? And um, what do you think of the final scenes of Ebony throwing Lex out of the hotel? Uh, they're almost like a juxtaposition of each other. You know, one group is moving forward because they're sticking together and they're pulling through. And um, then you see the exact opposite on the other side of town. Um, and you, there's no hope. When you look at Ebony and her situation, there's no hope over there. No. Um, and you feel it. It's desolate. She's thrown out Lex to die. But it's not as if she's going to make it either because he got rid of their last chance. It's a hopelessness. It's a darkness. And it's an isolation sense. You know, she doesn't need anybody. But even though the Marats don't have the antidote, there's still this hope that they're going to make it, you know, um, because they have each other. So, yeah, I just think it's a, it's a difference in your, your methods of living and um, how important it is to have a family, have people there and have that attitude towards working towards something together. I definitely enjoyed seeing, you know, Celine and Trudy fall into that, you know, motherly category with the girls again. You know, I think that that was a big thing for Chloe and Patsy. Um, they needed that. And I think Trudy and Celine needed that as well. Um, Amber coming in, you know, as happy as she was, I ah, just kind of reinforces that, you know, like she really is only thinking about Bray in this exact moment. That's all she cares about. 
but that's fine, I guess. It's like, thanks. Did you get us any food? Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry She's about like, that. Oh yeah. You're lucky we're in a sharing and caring mood. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's what I went out for, huh? Yeah, we knew you were lying. <laughs> <laughs> you're lucky you're in a good mood, Amber. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. At least you're smiling and not snapping at children anymore. Right. I do like the buoyancy of the way that scene ends with, you know, they hear a noise and uh-huh. just KC playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. playing. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's just hope. And they, again, yes. there's not much reason to believe that they'll figure this out, but it's like, it's a better attitude to have than only having it out for yourself. Caring about anybody, you know. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, uh, this episode definitely ended off on a really, really good, uh, good note. Good foot. And the way that Casey was operating a helicopter, you can tell he's done that before. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he had that. He, he was knew so he calm. Great hovering. <laughs> he's like, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty cool. I think it was the perfect way, yeah, the perfect way to end off with the mall rats this episode. Really brought it all together, what they were setting up, you know, as far as the tribe coming back together. Right. But I, I also like the fact that, so we have our mall rats and it's jubilant and hopeful. You know, we still have each other. You know what I mean? As long as we have each other and as long as we're working for each other, we're going to get through this. We're going to figure something out. Um, and then there's that stark reminder that, oh, by the way, in case you forgot, the antidote's gone. Lex is dying. Um, yep. They still have an uphill battle. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the plus side, though, am I the only one looking at this toy helicopter and thinking that this is a great weapon? Look how big it is. And then, like, the little chopper things. That just grips on an ass. <laughs> oh, man. They're not allowed to have actual I know, weapons. I know, but if that was in the mall the whole time <laughs> and Tribe Circus would have came through, <laughs> all they had to do was fly that thing at top I mean, I feel like, yeah, it would have been more effective than them pillows they were throwing. <laughs> <laughs> or even the rug. Gonna knock them off their feet. They're acrobats. What do you think is gonna happen? Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm talking about this toy helicopter as a weapon. They probably would have took the toy helicopter, attached a pillow at the bottom of it, put it high in the air, and then dropped pillows on people. (laughs) 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 Drone pillow delivery attack. Uh, Cool. Um, So that brings episode 48 to a close. Thank you very much to the panel. And we'll see you next time for episode 49. So until then, bye. 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 Bye.